Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only Canada's team podcast. <laughs> I'm Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual, and uh, we have plenty to get to as always. Uh, the Riders lost to the Bombers in the Labor Day Classic in what was actually a pretty classic football game, I'd say. Really good. Maybe not an all-timer, but still a very high-quality football game that was certainly wa- worth the watch. Uh, scoreboard may not have indicated that, but that was one of those games where I think the stats lie a little bit. Yep. Uh, so we're going to get into sort of the game as a whole, and um, the coaching decisions, I think, are sort of the big topic <laughs> to come from that game, and uh, the decisions made by head coach Craig Dickinson and offensive coordinator Jason Moss uh, firmly in the spotlight in after that one. But... This is something we probably would have touched on last week, but for a variety of life reasons, uh, just couldn't get around to f- nailing down in time to do an episode last week. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. No, neither of us are dying. No. Uh, nothing serious like that. Just one of those uh, cluster F of a weeks that it just doesn't seem to line up, which can happen from time to time mm-hmm. as you are on the mend uh, from illness and uh, I just have three kids. Yes. So you may have remembered uh, before that on the Twitterverse, it was the other co-host of this program, John Fraser, asking the world to determine who will be his favorite college football team. Yes, as, I tried as to I make the fit. point. I tried to make the point that he should not choose one because that is the the most fun part of college football is just following the chaos and letting your heart follow you wherever you may lead. Right, and you can still do that even with a favorite team, I suppose. I mean, I. I'm quasi a fan of Pittsburgh and Oregon State. Dan Plaster, of course, Miami fan. So, I mean, there's... But we all know that when Bush comes to shove, when things get weird, you know where to turn. And that's ultimately yes. really what the sport is all about. Well, and and, and that's it. That's I, I mm-hmm. find myself... I, I can invest better if I have a rooting interest in one team but still enjoy the chaos. It's similar to... How I my my love of the NFL really took it to another level once I finally settled on cheering for the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. Insert the o- jokes here. Yes, I mean the only thing I would say is no matter how unlikely, it is still technically possible for every NFL team to win a championship. That's, that's as much that's as we love true. college football. It's not about the top four teams. That's to me at least. Anyway, no. that's not what it's no, about. No, no, exactly. And you're a filthy bandwagon hopper for yeah. jumping on one of those. So, so it's just you know, as someone with a rooting interest, somebody I can focus on, and then let the rest of it cascade down. So, mm-hmm. I went to the Twitter world, and with our help of the friends at the Sickos Committee, mm-hmm. um, threw it out there, and I gotta say, college football Twitter, like I know Twitter is like a cesspool of toxicity and awful <laughs> these days. But man, get into college football Twitter because it's just everybody's like, hey, our team is weird and 
we're kind of good and you should come cheer for us. Tailgates are awesome. And it was just, it was cool. Like I didn't expect it to go like, I don't know if, if viral is the right word, but, <laughs> but the amount, it definitely wasn't viral, but it was no. like the amount of interactions I had just off of posing a simple question on really the week before college football started. It was just like my whole timeline was filled minus one person who missed the assignment and suggested I should be a BC Lions fan, mm-hmm. which I'm like, uh, okay. I could have seen the confusion had Boston College actually if their school name was the Lions, but they're the Eagles. So. They they are. That's I, I thought that for a second. And they said, no, you're on the West Coast. You should cheer for the BC Lions. I'm like, college football. And specifically NCAA football because, you know, the Huskies. Got to cheer for the Huskies. I live in Saskatoon. Been part of that program for a while. But uh, I was overwhelmed with the Boise State fans. Oh my goodness, everybody. Hey, our field is blue. Tailgates are awesome. Sometimes we're good. We played maybe the most chaotic game in NCAA history. And I'm like, hey, and they're on TV semi-often. All right, I'm in. But the thing that really uh, put it over the edge here, as I go into my Twitter, because I I was going to say, are you going to just over, you know, pass over the scandal of this whole thing? Well... I don't know if it's down because you you had me leaning towards Oregon State. Mm-hmm. And then Leon Rice fan, a.k.a. Jordan Morales, who, by the way, just brief interaction, great guy, good follow on Twitter, reaches out and he's like, when you commit to Boise State fandom, DM your mailing address and T-shirt size. And I accepted the request, DM request said, bribery is the best way. Let's go, Boise. So, uh, yeah, it came down to, to chaos. Like, if somebody would have said, be an Alabama fan, here's a shirt, I would have been like, no, I have some integrity, but uh, yeah, offer me a free t-shirt and I'll do just about everything. <sighs> bribery. can't believe it came down to bribery. Because, and I'm actually, I'm, I'm glad you eventually went to Boise State because you were leaning towards UCLA, which was... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's also because, you know what? UCLA, A, the colors are nice, and B, there was a photo texted to me by a friend uh, with him and one of the UCL, UCLA cheerleaders at a game. And he's like, hey, A, you can cheer for the same guys I do, and B, look, smoke shows. So that was also part of it. But but I, I, think, I think Boise was meant to be for another big reason. Mm-hmm. If you follow this program for more than, say, a week... <laughs> You know about my man crush on Ryan Dinwiddie and the fact that at one of these Grey Cups, you, me, and Dan Plaster are going to be the traveling Dinwiddies as I have a Ryan Dinwiddie jersey. Uh-huh. He has a Ryan Dinwiddie jersey, and we'll just dress you up as an Argos coach. So, Ryan Dinwiddie, Boise State, like, he's like an all-timer in Boise State. So, uh, that, that helped, too. Yeah. My Dinwiddie jersey, I feel like, I feel like there'd be more people... At a Boise game with a Bombers Dinwiddie jersey, than there would be at a Bomber game. Uh, with or, a or, Bomber jersey, I don't know. Okay, with so, definitely like a Boise State jersey, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still fairly certain that if it's more than one, it's it, it's it's definitely like it's definitely Boise because I feel I like think I'm, it would probably I think it would be a push at best, and that's because there happens to be a Bomber fan in town. or me eventually when i wear my bombers dinwiddie jersey to a boise game yeah but um we're glad you landed somewhere but we're far more glad that um your boise straight bronc 
Bronco, Broncos were destroyed by Canada's team, the Oregon State Beavers, this weekend. So, <laughs> and that's and that's what we should prefix. <laughs> when you say Canada's team, we're not we're not jumping onto that bandwagon that Peterson no. tried to start when he was play by play. We're st- starting on to you know the Oregon State Beavers. Now, okay, I know everybody called them um, Canada's team when Chuba Hubbard and Aben Ogbamia were there. God, God, I'm glad I'm the Oklahoma, seen... Oklahoma State Cowboys, but yeah. Oh, oh same, sorry. same color scheme, but yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So, <laughs> so why is Oregon State the Canada's team? Um, so this is a story that goes back to the 2020 pandemic year, I believe it was. Yeah, or it might have been 2019. Either way, the year doesn't really matter that much. Um, and it's really just basically an inside joke between Dan Plaster and I. I don't think anyone outside of maybe he and him (laughs) and maybe a few people on the pacific west coast really care about oregon state and canada um but it seemed like because tsn will often play a nightcap on the college football day they'll play you know they'll have uh, the noon eastern game they'll have kind of a mid-afternoon game an early evening game and then usually into uh the late night which is often a pac-12 game right and there was one year it was either 2019 or 2020 i don't forget exactly what year it was for some reason, it seemed every time you put on that 10 p.m. Eastern start on TSN2, Oregon State was on. And they were at home at Reese Field, Reese Stadium. <laughs> so it just kind of became a thing between Dan and I. We're like, oh, Canada's team is on. Oh, and there we go. Okay. They were just on TV so much in Canada that we just started to call them Canada's team. And it's kind of stuck and grown. And I'm probably going to log on to homefieldapparel.com one of these days and order one of their great uh, Oregon State Beaver shirts. To go along with my um, Hawaii Rainbow Warriors oh, shirt. Your, so. your Hawaii Rainbow Warrior shirt is a top ten shirt I've ever seen any human wear ever. It's so. that good. It is just it's it's vintage. It's a throwback. It's awesome. So well, and I will proudly wear my Boise State Broncos shirt that is apparently already on its way. <laughs> cool. So yeah, I mean Oregon State Beavers probably not really canvassing, but you know what? I would recommend if they are on TV watching them. Um, that offense they ran on. Saturday night against Boise was actually pretty fun. There was there was a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things happening in that offense. So I'll oh, tell you it, that much. It, it, it was, <laughs> and, and then of course my. So another another beauty of Boise State fans. Um, some of them went to deep dive and went into oh, yeah. obviously my Twitter history, uh, and we had one of them point out she's like, "What's this about a curse?" Because <laughs> I had obviously made reference to how the Fraser curse. The Fraser curse might be at an all-time power level these days. It is absolutely ridiculous, the things that the Fraser curse is causing these days. And uh, I don't think she was too comfortable. So no. um, I, I can't I can't blame her. So I pointed out the Fraser curse is not generally teams I cheer for, as Winnipeg's finally relevant. And the Jets had a couple pretty good years. The Red Sox have won multiple times, right? Um, just, don't, just don't talk about more, the Vikings. Yeah, that's well. They're they're fairly new, right? They're mm-hmm. not like tiny baby Fraser. They're not like my teams from tiny baby days. Um, so, I, I it's more with the picks and the again, takes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> picks and takes as the Fraser curse. Um, to bring back that old meme that the old power level it's over nine thousand these days, and that includes the Labor Day game, which I said on this very podcast. <laughs> That the Riders would win, and, and I, I and believe when you tweeted that we weren't going to be recording last week, you said you were. We would be back next week for you to drown in your sorrows. So, right, exactly. So the, again, there's a take. The Fraser curse strikes again. And here's the thing: it very well almost did actually happen, and maybe probably should have happened if not for a few things that happened in that game. Right. 
Right. But I, and I feel like the best way to describe the things that happened in that game is this team has to be cursed. And I feel like the Fraser curse is getting terrifying. Just like how, okay. So every time the Bombers win the Grey Cup, the curse just gets stronger. I think so. Oh boy. Like it, 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 they, they, we could be heading toward a third in a row here. And then I, this thing might be out of control that you can't even control it anymore. Like you thought you've been able to for the last little while. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's real bad. Uh, well, even go back into recent memory on this very program, when mm. I said perhaps the Elks <laughs> would sweep the Red Blacks and become a playoff threat, and this Ryder uh, team's going to miss the playoffs, the Elks I've, have I've now shot lo- back on that one pretty quick, though. So. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, they have now lost two in a row. Then the following week when I'm like, hey, look, they just got walloped by the Lions. Maybe the Tiger Cats will catch them. Uh, the Tiger Cats have now lost one, two, three in a row. They've the Tiger Cats look currently probably like the worst team in the league at the moment. They cur- currently are. So I have managed to destroy both the Tiger Cats and the Elks' chances of making the playoffs just here, just in this. And um, we're also going to wait to see if this extends to sports betting. Um, but I also paid. I also put a fin back, a five five dollar bet, on the Blue Jays to uh, win the AL East. So whenever the Jays, whenever something bad happens to the Jays, oh yeah, I hear about it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, literally there was a thread in our group chat. I was driving back from Rokenville today, and there was a thread in our football group chat talking about how I managed to Fraser curse everybody's team except the Blue Bombers. It's 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 growing. The power level is over nine thousand mm-hmm. to bring back a dead meme. Uh, so yeah, we got a lot of talk about from uh, that Labor Day Classic and heading into the Banjo Bowl. But as usual, before we get into all of that, Mr. Uh, John Fraser, uh, I believe we've done the thing, but what is in your glass this week? In the glass this week, uh, I was perusing once I got home from Rokenville after a nap because, oh boy, did I ever have a time in Rokenville. You can live a life in Rokenville. Um, I was wondering. <laughs> is, that, is that on the sign as you get to town? <laughs> I think it should be now. Like, okay, for, seriously though, sneaky nice golf course, uh, decently priced beers, and when you're staying with a close family friend who has the most jam-packed full beer fridge I've seen in my life of just like, because we're all believers in the theory of beer karma, and beer karma is basically if you bring booze to somebody's house, you leave it there. Even if it's, you have two, you leave you leave the rest of it there, right? Mm-hmm. So his fridge is packed with just random crap, and I was in a, I've drank too much beer, I need to start drinking random crap mood. So, uh, yeah, it was a time. So the hangover is real. Uh, hangover's gone now, and I'm enjoying, as I dip my toes back into alcohol, uh, Rebellion Brewing Co.'s Frenemies. Uh, it is wheaty, hoppy, hazy. It is, uh, it's nice, especially if you want something with a little bit of hops after maybe drinking, like I found, I was drinking, like I drank a lot of Rebellion Cerveza and beer and amber. I wanted some hops in my life. Frenemies does this perfect. And of course, the artwork. Mm-hmm. Just outstanding. Like, it's a collab with Torque Brewing out of mm-hmm. Winnipeg. So you got an angry gopher against an angry bluebird. They're obviously not wearing the jerseys that we all know that... No, it name. looks like a game between, like, the Montreal Alouettes and the Denver Broncos. It, or Boise <laughs> State Broncos. Yeah, either way. Yeah, it's Boise against the Alouettes, uh, except in the Boise colors is a uh, a bird, which, of course, you know, Boomer and Buzz, the Eagle mascots, and uh, a very angry, rabid-looking Gainer the Gopher. 
that still looks less cracked out than when Gainer briefly had those <sighs> cracked out eyes. So, mm-hmm. uh, and on the back, is... they're enjoying a beer together. So, which okay, that cool. encapsulates the Saskatchewan Winnipeg rivalry to a T, mm. right there. Right, like it's yeah. just it's one of the best rivalries in sports, and and I know I've said this before that you wear opposition colors at McMahon, at Commonwealth, BC Place. You're generally not having a good time. I I've obviously worn Bombers colors many times in Regina, and it's one of those like, hey, you suck. No, you suck. Oh, you're Team One. Let's go drink some beers together. Hooray! Like it's just. <laughs> I know you've got outliers. I know you do. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like mostly, like, even today I was at the liquor store buying this, and the guy saw my bomber gear, and he's like, oh, what a football game. Like, it's not like, hey, yeah. F you, and you get tackled. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's it's good. It is, so I think the artwork encapsulates what it's like being a bomber fan in Saskatchewan. Yeah, um, if you haven't picked up on it, I actually had the same thing. I had one left in my fridge that I was uh, saving for last week to sort of commemorate the week that was supposed to be, and then uh, that never happened, so it was still in there, and uh, it was that or Pile of Bones face melter for a third straight episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my, my options were pretty limited, so uh, that's uh, that's kind of the, ro- the road I went. Uh, if you like the sort of theme, though, uh, Multinationals Manitoba is out again this year. They make it once a year around the Labor Day time as well. It's not quite as football-themed, but it's kind of the same idea it's not a co-brew with anyone but they kind of say hey manitoba you're cool too is kind of the point (laughs) it's like they're trying to reverse the phrase or curse by putting out a peace beer i get it Mm -hmm. i see i see what you're doing now um yeah probably not a lot of peace beer well there's probably beers after the games but not necessarily peace beers as um i think it's safe to say despite the loss and i mean there was a lot going on that day and i think for obvious reasons, football took a back seat and I think continues to take a back seat yes. to what has been happening in this province for the last few days. Um, and, you know, I, I think what that game did do, though, was it did provide a certain light, a certain joy on what was a dark day in the province as that was actually a damn good football game. And I know, obviously, the heat of the moment right after the game and everything, you know, like Ryder fans, there's a lot of the people are probably, you're going to be upset after your team loses. I understand that. Right, But I think in retrospect, at the end of the day, you sit back and you just watch that game from a purely football perspective. Yeah, it wasn't the, you know, the high-flying 65-63 to 63 chaos games that we all know and love. But it showed the other side of football. It showed, like, the classic side of football of two teams just, you know, a real chess mask really going at each other. And it was maybe not a game for the ages, but it was certainly a well-played football game by both teams that deservedly came down to very minuscule minuscule details that made the difference yes absolutely and 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 you said it in the preamble and i will give you full credit that Mm. this wasn't that second half where everything tightened up it wasn't because you had a crappy quarterbacks making you know terrible throws you didn't have running backs that couldn't find a hole you didn't have you know fumbles and drops and everything like that that second half was just like a guy would make a great play and there'd be somebody on him like, like that. Like it was, it was entertaining as hell. Definitely. The game is the weekend. I was really impressed uh, by that opening drive. Yeah. Like, holy crap. Like, and, and this is what's, what can be so infuriating with this team too. Um, 
that they can put together a drive like that and they have that in them and they should be focusing on that being their identity and they just don't. Mm. Right? Like, they've got all the tools there. They've got all the pieces to, you know, a couple quick passes, roll Cody out, get defenses moving around, let Cody use his legs, and not use his legs in a run into somebody because the play is broken and hurt him even worse, but use his legs with, you know, little rollouts, little little play action, you know, do things like that. And they did that so well in that opening drive. Like, I thought watching that opening drive that it was going to be a route for Saskatchewan. I'm like, they have figured it out. They have figured out what works well for them. They're not trying to do something that they're not. They're not, you know, I get it. You have all these receivers that want touches and and you can keep bringing in all these different receivers. But at the end of the day, you're a team that runs the football really well and has a quarterback that, that, that can read a defense excellently. You know, you watched what Richie Hall was trying to do those the first half and Cody just kept figuring it out. And you've got mm-hmm. veteran smart receivers that see when it's a scramble drill, Guys are doing the scramble, right? Like, they're doing it correctly. That was one thing Glenn Suter kept driving home, and it was kind of his theme of the day. And if you've read my drinking game, you know when he has a theme of the day, you got to take a sip every time he brings it up. So um, maybe that's why I was paying extra attention. But it just it just seemed like like that's that's the formula. Like, that first quarter, that's the formula for this team to be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was everything that they should be. And, I mean, you were, you're the one that thought. I mean, I was talking with Dan Plaster a lot during the game, too, and he – he was confident at that point that the Riders were going to roll, and it had all the moments and all the moment, all the momentum. And we thought where it had all the sort of hallmark moments that we've seen in Labor Day's past, where things are going the Rider way, and it just you know it's going to go downhill quickly for the Bombers. <laughs> yes, and then it didn't. And I think we'll get into sort of the coaching aspect of this and what the Riders did to themselves right. in those moments. But I think this Bomber team deserves credit for turning around, too. And strangely enough, the play of the game that may have, you know, sort of turned it around the most from the Bomber side of things was Punch Mark Legu actually dodging a block and getting just out of taking a step to the side because he was dead to rights. He had no business getting out of the way of that. No. He somehow did, got it off. It wasn't the greatest punt in the world, but how many block punts have we seen on Labor Day in the last 10 years? And that tends to always be the catalyst of the Riders winning 56 to 4. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. And that's it. That, that, that Legio, and I texted you exactly when Legio made that play. Like, that's the turning point right there mm-hmm. because you are right. They blocked that punt, or they were so clean. Legio could have been just straight up tackled. Yeah. Like, like that, it looked like they were trying to run a screen and a punt for some reason. That's how open he was. <laughs> oh, God. Like, it, I thought, I thought a, some sort of fake was on. Like, yeah. I thought, like, like, and and nobody asked it of Mike O'Shea, but you almost wanted like, was that like a design like punt draw play? Yeah, had, they, had they gone on to like, had that actually been blocked? Had something you know seriously bad happened in that moment? It probably gets questioned, but so much happened later, and they ended up the bombers end up winning that it kind of gets brushed aside a little bit, I guess. Yeah, right, right. But it's you're right. Like there's there's no way that you get two guys that are that unblocked that they could literally just tackle the punter. So. Yeah, that little shimmy shake by Legio and then still getting enough leg on it. Like, it almost reminded me of of, of Josh Bartell back in the day. Mm-hmm. Now, he would have that running, like, Aussie rules football punt. And, again, it didn't go far, but it ended up rolling quite a bit of the way. The cover yep. team got down there. Like, I, I like I have no idea what the hell was going on. And, because you're right. Like, <laughs> you, like, that is a chaotic play, and, and that is that gets blocked. The riders for sure are scoring there. 
and it's Labor Day hell that I have personally been through so many times, and I was just expecting it. I'm like, uh-huh. hey, this is getting blocked, and it's like all the ghosts of Labor Day past just jumped into Mark Leggio, and he was like, nope, I'm just going to break this little curse, and then the Bombers looked like the Bombers after that. It, 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 it was it, a bit of a breathe and I think it was also, I think, the riders, the Bombers sort of got the wind underneath their sails a little bit on that second and one when so this is where we'll get into the rider side of things here a bit where you know they get down to as i believe like the 10 the t- between the yeah. 10 and the 20 yard line they're yeah. in pretty good field goal range it's second and one they've been rolling they've been running the ball well all this stuff happens and then and jason moss calls that pass to the wide side to frankie hickson and frankie hickson happens to lose his feet they lose a couple yards they forced to settle for the field goal that made it fourteen nothing at the time, and at that point I was like, "They're going to regret not getting seven there." Yes. Yep. And sure enough, you know the bombers came back, and that's when they started getting going. And it was all because, and granted, that play could have worked. There's no question. Had Frankie Hicks not lost his feet, maybe he, you know, he's he's a powerful guy. We know he probably could have picked up a couple yards in that spot. But in the end, I'm still a process guy. Just like when you know good decisions don't work out, you know when bad decisions work out, I still, it's still a bad decision. And right. in that scenario for how well they done, I think the, you know, every other, they didn't get come close to getting stopped on a sneak the rest of the game. Why you wouldn't just keep it simple there, keep the momentum rolling going forward. I, I don't know, but that's just, that's kind of what they keep doing themselves from a coaching yes. perspective. And I, I just can't wrap my head around it. Well, and if you wanted to try to catch them off guard there, throw in the, ve- the, the famous fake sneak, yeah. Right. Or at like, least, you know, case okay, you're what you're second and one. You know you're going on third. Right. Just throw it to the end zone. <laughs> right. Fake sneak. Go to the end zone or or try something like, yeah. or yeah, have Hickson just kind of fall forward or or Cody fall forward. It it was just. It it's funny that I had almost I had kind of forgotten about that play, where the turf monster got Hickson. Yeah. To me, that was the, that was as much as you know the block punt was sort of like the bombers awakening. I think. When they got when the bombers were able to keep the riders to three in that spot, I think that gave really started to give them life in that moment. Yeah, yeah, it it it, it really did. Um, because yeah, because being down three scores in the first half in a hostile environment that would have just been like full on party mode, I don't think even as good as Winnipeg is, I don't think they're coming back there. I don't think they have a shot. It's just then that rider D was very good uh throughout the whole game um you're right i think that's that's two moments there two goofy moments one by coaching one just by a great play by the punter that Mm -hmm. could have absolutely turned this into another classic labor day route where everybody from winnipeg goes home very sad and everybody gets very drunk at mosaic and has in fairness has a very good time right Mm -hmm. so um but you're right it, it almost that play almost ends up being foreshadowing for the game that it's just and and I'm trying I'm trying to figure it out like is this Jason Moss deciding that some guys need touches like that he has all these receivers is there But I I mean I guess that we don't know like what we know what the decision ended up being on the field we don't know if Cody had options on the play he ended right. up choosing Frankie Hicks and so if that was the case there's lots of other ways to get Frankie Hicks in the ball in that spot that are a lot safer and a lot Probably a lot more likely to convert the first down. But Cody had that out in like a split second. He did, yep. 
Like that was like it. It was almost like I don't. I don't think unless Cody saw something on the defensive side. Well, of the it ball, would have been like a pre-read snap where he thought, okay, if I see this, I'm going. If I see right. this, I'm throwing. Right. Exactly. And and I see. I don't know. Like it just. The amount of time like I could, I'm just saying, I could see what you were saying. Yeah, if it's about getting the ball in guys' hands, if he had say thrown to Kyron Moore or something instead, right, right, not no. the guy who had the most touches, but probably still didn't have enough touches. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> guy who was having a hell of a game. But and and the thing is, I don't think because Cody has rarely shown that he's a terrible decision quarterback. Like he's not the kind of quarterback that like he sees a blitz coming and makes a good read. He no. sees the defense and makes a good read. The reason Cody Fajardo fails is because sometimes he just doesn't throw a good ball. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. it, it, it's the complete opposite of, you know, Taylor Cornelius throws just a beautiful football, but can't read a defense to save his life at this point in his career, right? Cody is the exact opposite. Cody sometimes just floats them out there and gives teams chances to make plays or overthrows or underthrows guys and gives teams chances to make plays. But he seems to be a very cerebral, very smart guy. And that's what's Uh gotten him that far. Just to me, I I think this comes down to Jason Moss, just galaxy braining this shit. Yep. And, and, And he's not, he's far from the only offensive coordinator to fall for it. They all overthink it at times and make, you know, head scratching decisions that sort of make you wonder a little bit. And I mean, right. I th- and you know, as, as much as we want to pile on Jason Moss, and we can, we, we will for the ultimately for the game losing interception at the end as well. Um, head coach Craig Dickinson was not immune to no. some curious decisions in this game as well. Right. Um, the one I think the least egregious, the one, the one that maybe didn't necessarily cost him as much was this just the stupid challenge on the pass interference to oh, Kyron Moore. Um, he apparently said after the game he did it because he wanted to show the players he had their backs. I'm like. Ugh. But you can't do that. Okay, I mean, you can do that in a lot of spots, and there are times where sometimes you got to trust your players and believe in them when they believe that that should be a penalty. Um, there are other situations you got to be the grown-up in the room and say, sorry, no, you're wrong, that was a penalty, and well, not well, and, throw the challenge flag on and waste it. For, and, like, for a guy who we know very philosophically, rightly or wrongly, will not call a timeout in the first half to keep them both for the second half. Right. To essentially right. waste a timeout on that goes against everything that I believe Craig Dickinson to stand for when it comes to timeout use. Well, and the, and the thing that I found fascinating is, is, is you look at that compared to Mike O'Shea. Mm-hmm. And you look, there's a pass, I want to say it was third quarter or fourth quarter, where Zach Galaris throws the pass and immediately starts calling, challenge it, challenge it, challenge it, challenge it. You see in the replay, no, just a no. great defensive play. And Mike O'Shea knows to keep that flag in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get that, like, I get that you want to show your guys you have their back, but if the other guy over there who's got two gray cup rings and a team sitting at 10 and 1 can look his quarterback in the eye and go, no. Right? Yeah. Especially on, like, and Zach's play to me was less cut and dry than the one that Craig decided to challenge. No, I mean, that was one of the most obvious offensive pass interference oh. I've ever seen. And then, hilariously enough, you know, a few plays later, the Riders are getting the ball back on a punt that looked like it could have been no yards, and that would have been a far better use of that challenge than right. what Craig ended up using it on. <laughs> Again, the weirdest oh, and, thing in that play, and, and, I don't know if you saw it. Um, I caught it. I didn't really tweet. I didn't really say much about it, but I saw it, and I looked at my like, the ref had his hand in his pocket, and yep. he was going to throw the flag on that no yards, and then he didn't. I didn't see it, but it was, I know... It was, it was interesting. I was like, hmm. 
Okay. I know guys, guys at the game in the group chat definitely saw that too. Like, like there I'm was... not, I'm not a hundred percent confident that that was definitely no yards, and that wouldn't have made a difference probably in the grand scheme of the game. It was just, it was just an interesting moment. Is all that yeah. was. And I'm like, I'm like seventy five percent sure that was probably no yards, but. <laughs> I wasn't all the way there, but I was like, hmm, okay, interesting. But there again, you, you yeah. used you used, and even if you mm-hmm. agree with the decision to show that you know you got your guys' backs, yeah. using something as finite as a challenge to do that, yeah, reeks of desperation. Uh, it reeks of he doesn't know how to get the guys behind him, which again is a shame because he's a very smart, well-spoken guy. Uh-huh. Um. But it's becoming more and more clear as this season goes on that he might be in over his head a little bit. Yeah, I I would say exactly that. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you just you look at, you know, you go back to the gear. I think Arenos he stuff. I think he saw the potential to be a good head coach. Yes. I don't know without the perfect roster if he's a great head coach that can win a championship. No. I would agree with that. I mean, he's 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 obviously better at being a you know he's a great coordinator, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously he's better at making the transition from great coordinator to coach than Paul Lapoli says. Yeah, you know, but you just look at the you just look at the issues. Like you just look at you know penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty, right? Um, yeah, and it's game after game, and never mind you know the decision to challenge. But like, what do you do in letting Duke? Duke hang out on that sideline and what are you doing yeah. not controlling your team like because that's another yeah. moment in this game where you know he hadn't quite finished the wrapping paper and put a bow on it but like he was starting to pack up that present for bomber fans across the nation there yeah right? and I mean that I, the penalty the Duke penalty is a weird one because I mean on one hand okay he shouldn't be there maybe on the other hand you should trust your guys to know better when they're not playing, at least right. to not do something dumb. So, I mean, it, it kind of falls both ways. Uh, I, and I think it's pretty obvious at this point that Duke Williams probably will not be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider next year. Yes. Um, It's unfortunately maybe too late in this year now because he gets paid now because we're past Labor Day. Yeah. So there's not much you can do about that on that regard. And I think, you know, the Garrett Marino situation isn't going away. Despite the fact that he may think he hasn't been penalized since coming back, he's been fined once and is probably going to be fined again this week. And and deleted the tweet. Uh, and has well. now protected his Twitter account, yeah. Oh, um, my God. So, I mean, that's a whole thing that is sort of coach-adjacent that isn't, you know, maybe necessarily 100% coaching decisions, but is certainly part of the coaching discussion on this team. Um, I think, you know, another, you know, decision that I didn't like in that game was the third and five near midfield where they opted for the 57-yard field goal. Yes. And I understand, you know, and just not a slam up Brett Lowther at all. I fully believe he could make that kick again if you offered it to him. Yeah. Um, but anytime you're kicking on your side of the field for a field goal attempt to me, I'm like, this better be like the final three minutes of the game and you absolutely need these points to attempt yep. this kick situation. To me, I would have just roll the dice and gone for it. Either you were kind of in that no man's punt zone. Just go for it. Right. Yeah, because you're right. So you, you're turning it over. the way the defense is playing the second half. Like, if you trust your defense, the call is to actually go for it. Yeah, if you want to show trust in your guys, that's the kind of shit you do. Mm-hmm. You go for it because you're showing trust in your offense to get it done on third and five. You're showing trust in your defense that if they fail, they will bail you out. So, yeah, I, that was another one that I was I was shocked that they went for. Um, 
especially because that distance and yeah, Lowther has that leg. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm that game to me was another great audition tape for him in the NFL one day. Like I, I you have to think it's coming at some point. Um, but the the potential for a long return on mm-hmm. those long field field goals if you miss like again at the very least you're probably you know the bomb I mean I don't think they ended up getting that deep on the return but uh, it was around the thirty I think yeah so I mean it w- could have been worse but generally speaking yeah more often than not you kick from that spot they're probably getting pretty close to where you kicked from anyway yeah well and that's exactly it so you look at it as a net gain of twenty thirty yards yeah. For for that, instead of just going for it. Because, I mean, at that you... point, you don't have – I don't care what kicker you are. Very few have the leg to actually get it through the end zone for the point, at least. So, Yeah, that's that and way. that's exactly it. Yeah, there's no kicker in the world that's booting it 70 yards in the air. No. Right? It's not, it's not one of those misses from the 40 where you're more than likely still getting a single point, mm-hmm. right? Um, There was that. There was Duke. There was – there was so I've never seen a game, or at least it's been a very long time in which the players played so well, mm-hmm. and the coaches just like I don't I don't I can't think of many games at the CFL level with that kind of a focus on them and preparation on them. No, like and like in every game, there's going to be decisions where a coach that a coach makes that you're going to second guess, and that's fine. That's all part of it. But yeah, like normally. When a team loses, you can accompany it with a, like, okay, this was a bad decision, but this also happened that was not a good whatever by whatever player. Cody threw three picks. Yeah. Williams dropped a bunch of balls. Garrett Marino committed seven unnecessary roughness penalties. You know, there's, there's usually there's... something else you can point to, and I, I can't really point to anything that specifically that I would say it was a player's fault that happened in this game as to why they lost this game. No. I, I thought even even though Cody Fajardo was picked once, we can get into this now. He was picked once, and I don't even put that on him at all. No, no, any, because any, he should not have been put in that situation to begin with. It they was a tip like ball the, as well. Yeah, tip ball. They're at the I believe the twenty six yard line. <laughs> <laughs> You've been running the ball well all day. There's two minutes left in the game. Every offensive coordinator on the planet knows run the football on first down and get the clock moving. Even if you, even if you're not an offensive coordinator, even if you've played one game of Madden in your life, mm-hmm. the idea is okay. Let's get the clock moving. The, oh, and, and, take a knee. I don't care. Exactly. That's exactly it. Like, okay, so you can burn off. You can literally burn off a minute and ten seconds there. Kick the field goal and go up to and go up by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Like that's the other thing too. I could understand still passing. Obviously, if they were down. Or if the game was tied, maybe you think you see something, you can get closer to the end zone. Okay, again, not a great idea, but you can justify it. You see something there that will get you down to win. Absolutely, yes. Right. Even if the game is tied, I don't hate the call as much because maybe you're catching somebody off guard, right? Yeah, and there's still the possibility that you get the stop and you're going overtime still. It's fine. But when when you need those three points... To get the lead, to give your chance self a chance at winning. No, you, you. As much as I hate, you know, conservative football at times, there is times when you have to do that, and that yes. was that was one of those spots. And to me, that is a spot and a decision by an offensive coordinator that is just completely inexcusable. Oh, 100 percent. I mean, it's 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 even. I was talking to the guy at the liquor store today. He's like, saw my bomber hat. He's like, you just you run the ball. 
You run the ball there. So instead, even so, and that's even if this was the old riders who couldn't run the ball worth a damn. You're still running the football there. Or taking a knee if you don't want to risk it, right? If you had everybody that had butterfingers in the Corey Chamberlain era, right? Like, like you said, take a knee. You can burn off a minute, 10 seconds, which gives the Bombers 50 seconds to get from their 40 to your end zone, assuming that they don't take the kickoff, right? So that all of a sudden, you're up 21-17. With well, no, 50... they, were, they were down two. They would have been up by one after the field goal. Sorry, sorry, yes. Um, yeah, because Winnipeg, yeah, because Legio had the field goal. So still, so you're I mean, up Nothing one. was assured at that point, but you at least would have put yourself in a position to potentially win the game. Which you always want to do. And, and and even, okay, if you call a pass and you call for the end zone, you you texted it to me, I think this is going to be a case of them scoring too early. And I agreed with you. Like, they had all the every, all, all the hallmarks there was they're going to score too fast. Right, right. <laughs> and I would have liked that play there where everybody in the universe, where you know Richie Hall and everybody in that bomber defense is expecting, you know, you to run the ball and you go to the end zone, you you know, you probably got man coverage there someplace. Mm-hmm. You probably got one-on-one. You probably got a chance to throw it up and let a Shaq Evans or a Kyron Moore be the hero. Instead, you throw right down the middle. The most dangerous, crowded spot of the football field, and you throw down the middle, which, again, might have been Jason Moss, might have been Cody. I don't know who. But A, the play call was terrible. B, the execution was was terrible. And all of a sudden, a tip ball, and Winnipeg wins. And... You know, I mean, sort of the cherry on top of the whole thing was you were throwing to the football to the guy you should have just handed it to. <laughs> That's it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, they have maybe two. Like, it's a shame for Hickson and Morrow mm-hmm. that Brady Oliveira is the leading rusher in the CFL. Yeah. Like, because I, I mean, at this point, and this is no disrespect to Brady Oliveira or the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think you would be hard-pressed to find even many Bomber fans who would argue that the Riders don't have a better overall run game. Oh, that run game is ridiculous. Like, like mm. again, it's 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 literally what that, that first drive is who this team should be. And I can't believe that there's not somebody out of all those coaches saying, this is what we should do. Until proven otherwise, there's absolutely no reason in, for the Rider running back, whoever it is, to have at least 20 touches in a game. Yes. Fewer than that. No reason yes. for it whatsoever. Yes. And instead, they, they go out and they keep showing it. And it's it, it, like, I couldn't imagine being a fan of this team. Like, like it's, <laughs> it's, 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 as an outside observer, it's almost comical by this point. Like, because this, this is not the only game they've done this where they've come out, run the ball down your throat, made some really nice play action passes. Cody is asked to make the throws that Cody is good at, which again is him rolling out, him on bootlegs. And they just like, holy crap, like that first quarter team. And, and and here's the thing that maybe a lot of fans don't know is when a team gets the ball and wants to start on offense, they've got about a 15-play script ready to go. Yep. They know the first 15 plays or so they're calling of that football game because of what they've seen on film. That's what they're doing. That's that's the, they, they know exactly. They follow the script. It's, it's almost like this Riders team, as soon as the script is done, they can't freehand at all. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't get it. But yet they'll probably figure it out and become this the 8 and 10 Grey Cup champions at home this year. Yeah, I, I mean, there is still some positives to take away despite all of that. I think, to me, 
number one, sort of the big thing that we didn't think was maybe possible a few weeks ago was that they can, in fact, hang with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Um, they may get destroyed this week in the Banjo Bowl, but that's not out of that's not out of character for any Ryder team going into that game. Yes. And number two, I think, you know, even though he maybe didn't necessarily light the world on fire, he didn't throw a lot of touchdowns or anything, Cody still looked like Cody again. Yes. Which yes. I think is important. In a row. Yeah, which is important for this team going forward is, like, you watched him and you say, okay, this is the Cody Fajardo we know. So yes. I think it's important to be able to take that away and carry that into now hopefully the rest of the season for him. Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's nice to see it's building momentum for Cody because, I mean, we're – like, I don't think the problems they're having on offense are necessary. I mean, I think they're related he to definitely, Cody's He definitely health. had, I think, a pretty deep valley this year. But I'm fairly confident yeah. that he's out of it now. Yes, yes. I and, and, he, and the big thing to me is watching him, like, he's not scared anymore. No. Like, I don't know if they've got him so full, full of painkillers or he's just finally learned or his knee's getting better. But, like, he doesn't look like he's throwing scared. He's moving well, stepping around the pocket well, rolling out well. And, again, the number of times it was just scramble drills. And he's – because that's what they're going to need. That offensive line is trash. Mm-hmm. But if Cody can get away, like – it's almost, it was almost comical at, at times that it was like Jefferson and Jeffcoat were in the backfield so quickly that they overran Cody. Yeah. And it seemed to happen a few times because Cody, Cody was already – plus – and let's face it, and it, it, it's weird to say that a team is maybe still figuring it out after, you know, after Labor Day. We're 12 games into the season, but <laughs> they're new. <laughs> the only team that could really catch them for the crossover now is the hottest team in the CFL, <laughs> the Ottawa Red Blacks. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm thinking they got some time, and I think this goes once again back down to the fact that they're going to be the eight and ten Grey Cup champions, and I am I'm here for it because of the chaos it's going to cause. And I'm like, again, Winnipeg's won back to back, so I'm I'm okay with, you know, it feels like everywhere I've been going in Saskatchewan in the past couple of years, I do that awful like cringe walk from Spider Man three, like where he's like snapping his finger at girls, and it's just horrifically awful. That's felt oh, like God. me, especially this, especially today. So, Ryder fans, I hope you get a little bit of that while you waltz around in Winnipeg. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.